The Bradford Exchange presents the Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 9 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two half-hour detective episodes of Dragnet, starring Jack Webb. Stick around. We'll be right back. Dragnet was perhaps the most famous and influential police procedural drama of all time. It dramatized cases of a dedicated Los Angeles police sergeant, Joe Friday, and his partners on the force. Actor and producer Jack Webb took Dragnet to new highs and insisted on realism in every facet of the show. The dialogue was clipped, understated, and sparse, influenced by the hard-boiled school of crime fiction. Scripts were fast-paced, yet didn't seem rushed. Every aspect of police work was chronicled step-by-step, from patrols and paperwork to crime scene investigation, lab work, and questioning suspects. Friday offered voiceover narration throughout the episodes, noting the time, date, and place of every scene as he and his partners went through their day investigating the crime. While most radio series used one or two sound effects experts, Dragnet needed five. A 30-minute episode could easily require 30 separate sound effects. Dragnet came to radio in 1949 and lasted until 1957, making an easy transition to television and films. It's time for the first of two Dragnet radio episodes. On this first episode, a robber is specializing in drugstores, taking money and narcotics. Joe Friday's job? Find him. Here's the big key starring Jack Webb on Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. In the past five weeks, an unidentified holdup man has robbed 12 drugstores. He's taken money and narcotics. There's no lead to who he is or where he is. Your job? Find him. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, March 16th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. My name's Friday. 
We were on our way out from the office, and it was 9.36 a.m. when we got to the corner of Hobart Boulevard in Westmoreland, the Tishner Drugstore. In the back. Yeah. Something you want? Yes, sir. We'd like to see Harry Tishner. Hey, I'm him. Police officers. This is Frank Smith. My name's Friday. Hello. How you doing, sir? About the robbery, huh? Would you like to tell us what happened? I was robbed. We'd just like you to tell us how. Oh, oh now I'm with you. Yeah, I'm right with you. Let's go back and sit down. Get to telling the story and time just melts away. Yes, sir. Might as well be comfortable while we all fall out. Yes, sir. This all right here? Yeah. Uh, like a phosphate or something? No, sir. No, no thanks, sir. Okay. And let's quit all this fooling around and get on to business. Want me to tell you about the holdup? Yes, sir. We'd like that. Good, good. That's just what I'm going to do. Go ahead. Aren't you going to take anything down, right? Well, yes, sir, as soon as you tell us the story. Now, if you'd like to start in. Well, came in about eight. That was this morning? Yes. Just walked right in the door, came back to the prescription counter, and stood there. Mm Mm-hmm. Had this little piece of paper in his hand. I figured it was from a doctor, you know, uh, prescribed medicine. Yes, sir. Wasn't. Well, go ahead. What was it? Note. Written on there like this. This is a stick-up. Don't make any noise. It was a note, huh? Just pushed the note across the counter. I didn't have to have anybody push me off a cliff to know what was going on. No, sir. I was being robbed. Yes, sir. Do you uh, want to go ahead? Well, after he showed me the note, he kind of pushed me back into the little room at the rear of the store. You know, kind of store place. Now, did he say anything to you at all? Not a word. Just pointed with that gun for me to get into the back room. I went. I see. What happened then? He pushed me down to the floor and then tied my hands and feet. What do you use? You mean to tie me up? Yes, sir. Rope. Oh. Well, did he bring it into the store with him? No, sir. He picked it up in household on his way back to the prescription counter. I see. Go ahead, please. As soon as we got to the storeroom, he took off the label and then undid the rope. He made a loop and put it around my feet. Next thing I knew, I was all trussed up like a rolled roast, ready for the oven. Yes, sir. I'll say one thing for the guy, though. What's that? He's very neat. He tied good knots. Yes, sir. Other officers, the ones in the black and white car, you know. Yes, sir. Them. Yeah, what about them? Oh, yeah. Well, they took the ropes with them. They said something about taking them to a laboratory. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see if you want to. It's very neat. Yes, sir. What happened after the bandit tied you up? Robbed me. You personally? Yes, personally and otherwise. Well, sir, would you please tell us? Well, first off, he went to the safe and took the tin box out. Opened her right up and took the money. Is that all he stole from the cash box? Yeah. I had some government bonds in there, but he didn't take those. Uh Uh-huh. Guess he knew they wouldn't do him any good. All right, sir. He didn't take them. Took the money, but didn't take the government bonds. According to what you told the officers this morning, the thief took a supply of narcotics, too. Is that correct? Yes, he got them from the safe, too. Well, now, after he finished with the safe, what happened? He left. He walked out of the place. He... Just ambled right out. During the time he was in the store, he didn't say anything at all, is that nope. right? Did anybody else come in while he was here? You mean like a customer? Yes, sir. No. Oh, excuse me. That might be our office, Mr. Tishner. We left this number. Okay. If it is, I'll tell you. Thank you. Tishner Drugs. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Mrs. Kentworthy. Uh, uh-huh. No, shouldn't be. Uh-huh. No, I can't do that. If you'll have your doctor call me, I'll make it up and send it over. Yeah. No, no, not without a prescription. Uh Uh-huh. 
Okay. Well, I'll call you when it's ready, then, and you can send Lanny over. Right. Bye, Mrs. Cantworthy. Huh? Oh, well, if that's the way you feel, I won't. Oh, sure. Okay. Goodbye. You know, I can't imagine why she'd say a thing like that. Just no reason at all. Sir? Mrs. Cantworthy told me when the son comes over to get the prescription not to give him any candy. Oh, I see. I usually throw in a licorice whip, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't want me to do it. That's too bad. Yes, sir. I wonder if we could go ahead with the description. Sure, I guess so. Well, now, from what you told the investigating officers, the man's about 35 to 38. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Light in color, 5 feet 10, 175 pounds, no visible marks or scars. Is that right? Well, I guess that's pretty close. Well, if there's anything different, we'd appreciate you telling us now. No, not with you. Because I can't understand why Mrs. Cadworthy'd say a thing like that. Just a penny licorice whip. <laughs> Little bitty thing. Yes, sir, we understand. Like that. Couldn't hurt anybody. Yes, sir. Would you be able to identify the holdup man if you saw him again? Oh, yeah, no trouble. I'd know him. Uh-huh. He'd never say a thing like that. Sir? The fellow who robbed me. What do you mean? Oh, on the way out, the way I was laying, I saw him stop. Right up there by the Canyon magazine. Stopped dead in his tracks. He went over and helped himself. Mm-hmm. Took the top off and helped himself to a handful. <laughs> sure must like him. What was that, sir? Licorice whips. Just reached into the jar and took a handful. After that, he left. Is that right? Yeah. As soon as he put his gloves back on. What was that? Couldn't work the top of the jar with the gloves, so he took them off. No. Used his bare hands. Ten oh two a.m. Frank put in a call to Harlan Stahl and Leighton Fingerprints. We asked him to come out and go over the glass candy jar. While we waited for him, Frank and I checked the list of stolen narcotics with the druggist Harry Tishner. We also made arrangements for him to come downtown and look through the mug books. When the glass candy jar was checked, Harlan Stahl was able to come up with two partial prints. They were enough for comparison, but not for identification. 11.15 a.m., Frank and I left the store and spent the rest of the afternoon checking out the list of names we'd gotten from the stats office. Several of the possibles looked good, but after each one of them was investigated, we still didn't have a suspect in custody. Wednesday morning, March 17th, at 8.06 a.m., Frank and I met in the squad room. Good morning, Joe. Hi. I tried to call you this morning, thought maybe you'd want to stop and have some breakfast. No, I left the house early. Uh-huh. You check the book? Yeah. Anything? Skipper wants to talk to us. Well, I figured that'd happen. Is he in now? Yeah. Well, come on, let's get it over with. Come in. Yeah, that's right. No, not yet. I'm going to try and line it up this afternoon. Yeah, I'll call you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're here right now. Bye. Do you want to see us, Captain? Yeah, come in, sit down. Going in, I won't tell you who's on my back about this thing, and you don't give me any excuses, right? Sure. Where are you? Still in front of the first store. That's how long ago? It's been five weeks. What do you know about him? WMA, description, close. Match on all the jobs? Close enough so we know it's the same guy. Okay, what else? He uses a stolen car to get to the store. He drives it away. Isn't too careful to hide the license plate. We've been able to come up with three out of the five. Check the cars out? Yeah, clean. Not a print on them. Nothing else. Picked up something yesterday. Should help when we nail them. What's that? Well, Stahl lifted a couple of partials from a candy jar. Gonna be enough for comparison. Can't make the suspect on him, huh? No, it's not enough to classify. What about the narcotics he's taking? You show up anyplace? No, not that we can find. We've been down all the alleys. There's nothing there. We talked to Lucarelli. Hop Squad's got nothing on it. If none of it's showing up, then it could mean he's using the stuff himself. That's what we got figured. How about the stats office? We spend much more time down there. They're gonna put us to work with the machines. Informants? Well, they've given us smiles, that's about all. You think they're holding? No. 
Come over here. Take a look at the map. The way he's picking the places, he set up a pretty definite operating schedule. Here, Venice Boulevard, Kingsley Drive, Western, Adams, Washington, the rest of them. They're all grouped in this area. Yeah. You got to figure he's going to keep working in the vicinity until he hits them all. Then maybe he'll move on to something else. Might help if we could come up with a reason that he's working there. Anything you can come up with has got to help. Yeah, we know. If it's true that he's been using the narcotics himself, it's just a matter of time before we hand this one over to homicide. He's going to walk into a store. Somebody's going to give him trouble. If he's on the needle, he isn't going to take it. Yeah. So it adds up to a big stop. The past. Well, if we work the area, it's going to take a lot of men, you know. We'll get him. I've talked to Stoner. He's taking care of all the help you need from here. There'll be four teams available. You can call Metro Division for whatever else you need. All right, we'll set it up for tonight, then. Check with communications. Make sure you get the three ways working. Right. This guy's been pressing his luck for a long time. Yeah. I'm bound to run short on it sometime. Yeah. Robbery, Donahoe. Yeah. When? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll take care of him. Looks like you just got partners. What do you mean? Your boy just made it 13. Drugstore out on Pico. Yeah. They don't expect the victim to live. Frank and I left the office and drove over to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. We talked with the officer on duty. He told us that the victim's name was George Rayler. He owned a small neighborhood drugstore at the corner of Pico Boulevard and Vineyard Avenue. He went on to say that he didn't have all of the particulars of the beating, but that it had occurred during the commission of a robbery. We talked to Dr. Sebastian. He told us that the elderly man was suffering from a fractured skull, broken ribs, and possible internal injuries. He added that from Rayler's appearance, it looked as if he'd been beaten about the head and shoulders with a heavy instrument and then kicked in the chest. We left word to call as soon as he could be questioned, then we drove over to the store on Pico. Yes, there's something I can do for you? Police officers. Oh, how's Mr. Rayler? You seen him? No, we haven't, Jess. You heard anything? Is he going to be all right? Well, we don't know that yet. I sure hope so. Yeah, the guy who hit him sure did a job. Just beat him something awful. Yeah, we know. Not enough just hitting him, but then he knocked him down and stomped him. Awful. You hear when it happened? Yeah, I saw the whole thing. You want to tell us what happened? You mean for the investigation? That's right. Okay. You want to give us your name first? Calvin Webster. You work here in the store, do you, son? Yeah, that's right. Sort of a general left hand. What was that? Well, you see, Mrs. Railer's his right hand. I'm the left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She wasn't here today, down having her hair fixed. Probably just as good. All right, Webster. You want to tell us? Well, a fellow came in about 8.30, right after we opened. He came in and went back to the prescription counter. I was going back to tell him that Mr. Railer would be right out, and then he was. Railer? Yeah, he was back checking the stock on vitamin pills. We do a big business in him. I have to have a pretty careful watch on the supply. Wouldn't want to get caught short. All right, go ahead. Well, the fellow, the hold-up man, you know. Yeah, go ahead. Well, he took this little piece of paper out of his coat. I figured it was a prescription. Looked like it. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't. It turned out to be the note where he said he wanted the money. Mm-hmm. Did you see the note? Well, not so as I can read it. First, I knew there was something wrong when Mr. Railer started to yell at the guy. Told him to get out of the store. Ran around the car and tried to grab him. Mm-hmm. Yelling all the time for me to call the police. Call the cops. Call the cops like that, he yelled at me. What'd you do? I looked to see if I had a dime. What? Well, you see, in the past, Mr. Railer's had trouble with people making phone calls on a private phone, so he had one of those little lock things put on it. You can answer incoming calls, but you can't phone out. I see. So I needed a dime to call the cops. Yeah. Well, I didn't have one. Only 75 cents for my lunch, a half and a quarter. I see. Well, all this time, Mr. Railer's yelling. He's yelling, and the robber's hitting him, and I didn't know what to do. Uh Uh-huh. I thought about running back and trying to help, but Mr. Railer don't like for nobody to do something different than what he says. Yeah. He told me to phone. Yeah, sure. Well, then all of a sudden, bang, the fella hit Mr. Railer with a gun. Took it right out of his pocket and hit him on the head. Next thing, Mr. Railer's on the floor, and this fella's stomping him. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't just stand by no more, so I went back to help. Too late. What was that? 
It was too late. Mr. Rayla was on the floor, and this guy was pointing the gun at me and was leaving the store. I didn't see how it'd help any to try and stop him. Was there anybody else in the store at the time? No, just Mr. Rayler and me. We just opened up. Still kind of getting ready for the day. Did you get a good look at this guy? Oh, yeah. I saw him good. All right, then you'll be able to give us a description. Yeah, I'll tell you how he looked. Did you see if he drove a car? I guess so. But don't you know for sure? Well, no, I didn't go out after him. I figured that it'd take somebody a lot bigger than me to stop him. Besides, I had to take care of Mr. Rayler. I see. Did you see the gun he was using? Yeah, I got a real good look at it when he was hitting the boss. That's fine. What kind of a gun was it? A pistol, you know, like you see in the movies. Now look, son, was it a revolver or an automatic? I think it was a revolver. It had a barrel on it. Short, about that long. Uh-huh. We'd like you to come downtown and look at some pictures, if you would. At the city hall? That's right. I'll be glad to help out as soon as Mrs. Rayler comes back. I'll go with you. All right, fine. I can't leave the store alone, you know. Uh-huh. You want to give us the description of the man now? You bet. I sure hope you catch the fella. So do we. This is the same guy I've been reading about in the papers? That's right. He's mean. Real mean, doing a thing like that to Mr. Rayler. Yeah, we know. Been getting away with it for a long time, hasn't he? Just like a guy running up a big bill. That's right, and he'll pay it. As soon as someone arrived to take care of the drugstore, we took Calvin Webster down to the city hall. He was shown all of the mug books and pictures of recent parolees. He was unable to make an identification. We had him return to his home, and then Frank and I checked with Dr. Sebastian over at Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. He told us that the latest victim had been transferred to the county hospital and was out of the critical stage. He went on to say, however, that it would be several hours before we'd be able to talk to him. We checked with Captain Donahoe and Lieutenant Stoner. We also contacted officers from Metropolitan Division and made arrangements for the additional cars that we'd need in setting up the rolling stakeout. That night at 7.30 p.m., the plan was put into operation. Ten undercover cars maintained a watch on the drugstores in the area. All suspicious vehicles were checked on. All pedestrians loitering in the vicinity were interrogated. Our suspect remained free. Three days went by without result. The bandit had stopped his operations. On Sunday, March 21st, Frank and I were driving up Western Avenue just north of Pico. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe after he had that trouble with Raylor, he decided to call it quits. Doesn't figure. Huh? Guy that's had the brakes he has not going to let something like a beating stop him. No. Hope you're right. All units on frequency one, stand by. All units on frequency one, stand by. It might be a good one. Yeah. Stand by, 1J14. All units in the vicinity of 1947 Wilton Place. 1947 Wilton Place. An officer needs help, code 3. All units in the vicinity of 1947 Wilton Place. An officer needs help, code 3. You got the lens? Yeah, here you are. You think it might be our boy? We'll know in a minute. officer needs help. Of all the calls in the book, this is the one that no officer wants to get. Not because of an outdone sense of loyalty to a fellow police officer, but because it means that somebody has decided that lawful authority has no meaning for them. Such a person is an extreme menace to every citizen in the city. By showing that they have no respect for the competence of an armed professional officer, they have also shown that they will not consider for an instant the life of an unarmed citizen. By the time we arrived at the scene, there were 14 police units in attendance. From one of the officers, we got the story. Unit was working the street, saw this young guy run out of the liquor store, stopped to see what was going on. Yeah. Told the fellow to stop. Didn't make any difference. Kept going, huh? Yeah. Officer in the car told him to stop or he'd shoot, and the suspect turned around and fired at the policeman. How is he? Flesh wound. What about the suspect? Well, he didn't get the chance to fire more than twice. At him over there? Yeah. 
Anything from the owner of the liquor store? Well, just that the suspect tried to hold him up. He walked in, showed him a note. The owner went along with it, handed over the money, and then the suspect left. That's it. Better take a look. Yeah. Well, it might be a break. It's a hard way to get it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I'll take a look. How about it? I can't tell for sure. Huh? Description doesn't match too good. Yeah? No. I don't think it's our suspect. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. The wounded police officer was taken to George Street Receiving Hospital for treatment. The suspect was removed to the county morgue. Pictures were taken, and when they were shown to the victims of the drugstore bandit, they all said he was not the man we were after. The rolling stakeout continued without result. During the next week, we answered several 211 calls in drugstores, but the M.O. the thief used eliminated him as our suspect. Thursday, March 25th, Frank and I checked into the squad room. How's it going, Joe? Uh, kind of tired. Yeah. i get this one wrapped up, and I'm going to try to take a few days off. Okay. Robbery Friday. Yes, that's right. No, we're handling. When was that? All right, would you like to give me that address? All right, yes, I have it. We'll check it out. Might be something, yeah. Thanks for letting us know. Right. What was that? No, if it turns out, we'll let you know. Right. Thanks again. Bye. What do you got? Call from a radio unit out in Hollywood. Yeah. They answered a 4.15 this morning. A woman and her husband were having a brawl. Uh-huh. A man had left when the officers got there. The woman refused to make a complaint. Well, she placed the original call? No, it came from one of the neighbors. Uh-huh. When the officers were leaving, the woman said she'd handle the beef herself. Said she'd take care of her husband. Called him a lousy hold-up man. Yeah. She made the statement she could put him in San Quentin inside of five minutes. Well, if he's the guy we're looking for, I don't think we can do it that fast. No, we can sure try. <laughs> We left the office and drove out to the address I'd gotten on the phone. It was a small one-story house set well back on the lot. When we got there, the lights were on. Frank and I went up the front door and rang the bell. Yeah. Miss Kearney? That's right. Police officers like to talk to you. What about? Might be better if we talked inside. All right. It's my partner, Frank Smith. My name's Friday. How you do? Hi. You alone here in the house? Just the baby and me. I see. Where's your husband? Look, before I start telling you a lot, why don't you let me know what this is all about? We got a report from a radio car that there was a disturbance here this morning. Is that right? Wasn't anything. Me and Keith had a beef. Not even worth calling the cops about. The officer said you made the remark that your husband was a hold-up man, that you could send him to prison. Is that right? They talk a lot, don't they? They listen more, lady. You want to tell us what you meant? Yeah. Well, go ahead. You go back and tell the little boys in the play suits they're wrong on this one. Is that so? Yeah, because I meant nothing. Nothing at all. Pretty serious thing to say without a reason, though, isn't it? This morning I had a reason. Why don't you want to tell us what it was? I don't see why not. Your cops start nosing around. You'll find out anyway. I got trouble with my old man. What kind of trouble? He's out with other women. Didn't come home last night. We had a beef about it. The cops were called and they used their big ears. You guys made the trip out here for nothing. Now beat it. Now look what you've done. He's playing fine and you come in here and raise a big stink. You got him all upset. I'll get it. Hey, here you are, fella. Hey, no reason to cry. What's your husband's full name? Keith J. Kearney. How long you lived in Los Angeles? A little over six weeks. Where are you from? Idaho. Your husband ever been in trouble with the police before? Keith's got a hard time not being in trouble with anybody. Has he ever been arrested? I don't know. How long have you been married? 
Seven years. And you don't know if he's ever been arrested? No, I don't. You got a picture of your husband? You mean that you can have? We'd like to take a look at it, yeah. Oh, out of luck, I haven't got one. Does he work? Not if he can help it. Doesn't hold a job of any kind, huh? No, Keith's a professional avoider. He doesn't like anything steady. Beginning to look like he means me, too. What's he do with his time? Nothing. Just lives it. So here in the evening? If he was, there wouldn't have been the beef this morning and you wouldn't be asking a lot of questions. I don't know what you're trying to get me to say, but I can't go along with you. You got a problem with Keith, then talk to him. Leave me out of it. I'll get it. You know where your husband is now? No. You don't have any idea, Not huh? the least. There you are, little fella. Here's your keys. Your husband drive a car? Yeah. What kind is it? 41 Plymouth. When do you expect your husband back? When he walks in the door. All right, Miss Kearney, I think that'll do it. Sorry if we've caused you any trouble. You have and you're not. All right, let's go, Frank. Yeah. Good night. Good night. Good night. Better check on the husband, huh? Yeah. Wait a minute. Get a good look at those keys that the baby was playing with. No, why? Plastic tag on them had a license number. Yeah. One of the stolen cars used in a drugstore holdup. Frank and I went back to the car and drove around the block, parking up the street from the Kearney residence. We called the name of the man and his wife into R&I, but there was no record on either one of them. Because of the remark made by his wife and the finding of the car keys, it was decided to stake out on the house and wait for the husband to return. 7.30 p.m., 8.30, 9 p.m. The lights in the house went out, but there was still no sign of Keith Kearney. 10, 10.30. We called the office and told them we'd wait it out. 10.45 p.m. Joe. Yeah. You see what kind it is? Looks like a Plymouth. No. Checks out, huh? Yeah, let's take him. All right, Kearney, hold it up. Watch it, Joe. Give it up, Kearney. Keep away from me, Cap. He's trying to make his house. Yeah. Kearney, you're not going to make the front porch. Don't give your family any more trouble than they got. Now throw down that gun. All right, let's give it back to him. He's down, Joe. Come on. Kearney? Kearney? Careful. Come on, Kearney, throw that gun away. You hear me? Looks like he's hurt bad. Yeah, all right, hold it. Yeah. How about it? He'll live. Call an ambulance. Right. You killed him? Did you kill him? No, ma'am. He's dead. You killed him? He'll be all right. Don't lie to me. Poor Keith, you didn't give him a chance. Not fair. He didn't even have a chance. You saw it all, lady. Yeah, and it wasn't even a fair fight. Never is when you pull a gun. The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On August 17th, trial was held in Department 97, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. Keith Jarris Kearney was tried and convicted on nine counts of robbery in the first degree and received sentence as prescribed by law. Robbery in the first degree is punishable by imprisonment for a period of not less than five years. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department.
That's Dragnet with the Big Key, starring Jack Webb, as originally broadcast October 26, 1954. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another episode of Dragnet for you after this break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. It's time now for another detective episode of Dragnet. This time, a burglar has struck 17 times and continues to commit new crimes. Sergeant Joe Friday's job? Stop him. Here's the big lift on Dragnet. Sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield, low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a burglary detail. In the past five weeks, 17 homes in your city have been stripped of all valuables. There's no lead to the thief. No description. Your job, get him. Before you buy your next pack of cigarettes, think this over. A doctor has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers with special attention to the nose, throat, and sinuses. His latest report after a full year and a half, says no adverse effects from smoking Chesterfield. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield, regular or king size, they're low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, June 3rd. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of burglary detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Wisdom. My name's Friday. We'd just been relieved from stakeout, and we were on our way to get something to eat. It was 12.27 a.m. when we got to the corner of Fedora and Ardmore Streets, the Cakes and Griddle Cafe. Here's a couple back here, Joe. Yeah, that's fine. What'll it be, fellas? You got a menu? Up there on the board. Huh? Oh, yeah. 
How's the hash? Oh, pretty good. We're out of it. I didn't think a restaurant was ever out of hash. We are. Uh-huh. You want to give me a stack of wheat cakes, some bacon, and a cup of coffee, please? Hey, that sounds good. I'll have the same. But make mine uh, plain hotcakes and sausage on the side, will you? Yeah. Oh, you want the coffee now? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fine. Coming up. Say, uh, put an egg on my hotcakes, huh? Yeah. Over light? Over light. Yeah. Well, I'm hungry, Joe. Well, I figured that. Is that the morning paper you got there? Yeah, this? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Hand it over, will you? There you are. Thanks. What's on the front page? I'm looking at the sports, Joe. A lot of news there. Do you hey. want to know what's going on in the world? Joe, I like the sports. I get the news all the time. Look at my boys, the Hollywood Stars won again. Put some nine up. Looks like they might win the pennant. Hmm. Just stay along, sure, knocking them in. Who? Stay along. Oh. Joe, you're not much of a baseball fan, are you? Yeah, I like to watch the series on TV. It's going to be pretty good. Looks like the Yanks and the Dodgers. Here's your coffee. Oh, thank you. Oh, the rest of it be right here. Good. You fellas new in the neighborhood, aren't you? What's that? You're new around here, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Steven's got three hits. Most of our trade is neighborhood people. Come in for coffee and cakes on the way home from the show. I could tell you fellas are new here. Haven't seen you before. Yeah. I'll get the rest of the order. Fine. We got one RBI. What? Steven's got one RBI. You got a what? RBI, Joe. Run, batted. Oh, in. yeah. RBI. I know what you mean. Yeah. I didn't understand what you said. Then. You got to know all that stuff to really watch a game. Yeah, I know that. Here you go, fellas. Wheat cakes and bacon, hot cakes and sausage. Wait a minute. Where's the egg? Inside. Where? Inside. Oh, look, Joe, underneath there, see? Yeah. <laughs> egg underneath. Here's the syrup. Thank you. I sure had some excitement around here. All right. Yeah. Don't you guys read the papers? He does. Yeah. Sports page. No, no, I mean the front page. What's been going on? He won't tell me. All the burglaries. Been 17 of them in the last five weeks. It's running the cops silly. Is that so? Sure. They don't know where they're going. Running them silly. <laughs> Say, you like a little more coffee? Yeah, I wouldn't mind, please. Very good coffee, too. You make it yourself here? Yeah, thanks a lot. Put a head on this, too, honey. Fine. There have been at least five detectives in here in the last couple of weeks asking questions. Trying to come up with a lead. Mm-hmm. Sure running them ragged. You guys haven't read about it, huh? Yeah, I think I've seen something about it somewhere. It's pretty funny. Just get this picture. Now, get it. A guy. Uh, they, they figure it's one felon. He walks up to the back of a house. First off, he's sure there's nobody home. Then he walks up to one of the windows and punches a hole in the screen. Jimmy's the window, walks right in and lifts the jewelry in the house and takes off. Just as cool as can be. They figure he's hitting the places between 6 and 9. You get that? Between 6 and 9 p.m. They must have half the cops in the force looking for the guy. <laughs> They're running rings around him. <laughs> How's the cakes? Fine. Good. We got kind of secret recipe here. Wife made it up. Anyway, I was talking to one of the people who had it. You know, you know, one of the victims, guy over on Hobart. He said the cops came in and went all over his house, took fingerprints, pictures, all that. Worked on his house for about five hours. Went all over the backyard looking for footprints. And you know what they came up with? No. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
all that time, all those men, and they didn't come up with nothing. <laughs> he sure got the cops running in circles. <laughs> you got a check? Hmm? Check. Oh, yeah, yeah, here you go. A stack of wheats, bacon, hot sausage and egg, two coffees. I, I won't charge you for the refills. That's very nice of you, thank you. Oh, that's all right. Let's see, comes to $1.25, taxes $1.29. Okay. You got any pennies, Frank? Yeah, I got two. Here, take a nickel, break it apart. Hey, I'll get my wallet, Joe. Maybe I got a couple in there. Hey. Yeah. Hey, how come you guys are carrying guns? You ain't gonna hold up the place, are you? There isn't any money here. We're police officers. Detectives? Yeah. Oh. Say, uh, I hope you guys ain't saw by what I said about you running in circles. No, forget it. That's all right. Oh, no, come on. Let this one be on the house. Take your money back. Sort of a, a way to say I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Forget it. I'd like to pop for the cakes. No, thanks. Thanks just the same. Well, hope you come back again. Sure. Uh, say just a minute. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. About this fellow who's been pulling the jobs. Yeah. When do you figure you're going to get him? When he runs out of circles. The papers had carried the story since the fifth burglary. As the thefts continued, the stories grew in importance. The thief had been operating in the same general area. On each report, the crime lab had been sent out, pictures were taken, fingerprints were lifted. When the sum total of evidence was weighed and sifted, we were able to establish the fact that we were looking for the same man or men. He was in possession of a one-quarter inch punch, which he used on the screens, and a half-inch jimmy, which he used to pry open the windows. From traces of fabric that he left on the fourth job, we knew that he wore cotton gloves. We had no physical description of him to work with, nothing but the M.O. that he used. The stats office had made run after run looking for a lead. The possibles that they'd turned up were checked out, but they netted us nothing. Communications had been gotten off to the rest of the nation asking for information on known criminals who used the same M.O., but the replies were of no help. All recently released convicts from the state penitentiaries and work farms were checked. We found nothing. The pawn shops in the Southland were alerted to be on the lookout for the stolen goods. Again, nothing. Informants and other sources of information were questioned and re-questioned. And at the end of five weeks, we were right back where we started. The newspapers took up the stories in full force. They ran cartoons of the thief, picturing him as an invisible phantom who could almost announce the time of the next housebreaking to the police and then proceed according to plan without interference. Every known method of apprehending the burglar was tried. None of them worked. Captain Wisdom assigned four other teams of men to the case. Metro Division sent out another two cars to aid in the rolling stakeout. Apparently, we were stopped cold. Two more days passed, and on Friday, June 5th, we got a report of another burglary. 9.36 a.m., Frank and I left the office to check it out. Yes, something you want? We'd like to see Miss Santos, if we could. Who are you? Police officers, ma'am. Is Miss Santos in? Oh, I'm her. Come on in. Thank you. Come on, come on, hurry up. I don't want to let the flies into the house. Yes, ma'am. Whew, never saw so many flies around as this summer. Sit down. Thank you. Can I get you anything? Cup of coffee? No, no, no thank you, thank you ma'am. You don't mind if I have some? No, you go right ahead. Just having another cup before I get started on the house, sort of the lull before the storm. Ma'am? Kids are downstairs playing. They'll be up in a minute. They get to running around. It's impossible to get anything done. Yes, ma'am. All I can do is get a second cup of coffee in the morning. Excuse me, Mind. I'll be right back. Sure. Just make yourself comfortable. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Now then, this is about the burglar last night, isn't it? Yes, ma'am. We'd like to go over the list of stolen articles with you. Uh-huh, that's it. Everything they took. 
I'd like to check it if we can. Wasn't anything else in the house for him to take? Well, let's see here. According to what we have on the reports, you listed $47 in cash, that right? Yeah, yeah, that's from the jar. Ma'am? Well, we got a little candy jar upstairs. Keep loose change in it. Whenever I have anything left over from my household money, I put it in there. Anthony, he's my husband. Yes, ma'am. Well, whenever Anthony's got any loose change in his pocket, he drops it in there. Adds up in time. $47. Yes, ma'am. You're pretty sure about the amount now. Yeah, you see, we keep a little piece of paper in the jar. Got the amount written on it so as we can tell how much we've added to it. Mm-hmm. Whoever stole the money didn't take the paper, just the money. Had exactly $47. Yes, ma'am. Now, you list a ruby and diamond woman's wristwatch, is that right? Gonna use it for a trip to Las Vegas. A big fun? We were gonna use the money in the jar for a trip to Las Vegas. Only needed $150 more. Now we gotta start all over again. Yes, ma'am. Now, about the watch? Oh, yeah. Well, they stole that, too. Had two rubies on one side, three diamonds on the other, little gold band. Took that, too. Anniversary present from Anthony. He's my husband. Uh-huh. Gave it to me on our fifth anniversary, February 2nd. You list a diamond ring. wonder if you can give us a little better description of the ring. My engagement ring. Solitaire. Not very big. Had on my dressing table on one of those little ring gadgets. You know, the little block of wood on the little stick? Yes, ma'am. You put your rings on it when you're doing the dishes? Not very big. Yes, ma'am. Now, was there anything else of value taken? No. A couple of cheap little costume pieces. Bracelet, couple of pins. Nothing really worth anything. I'd like to have descriptions of the pieces if we could. I can give them to you. All right, fine. You really think you're going to be able to catch the fellow that took the things? Well, we don't know. We're sure going to try have there been any strangers that you've noticed in the neighborhood lately? No, none that I can think of right off. Any strange cars, ma'am? You married, officer? Yes, ma'am. Got any kids? Yes, ma'am, too. Mm-hmm. Well, you just ask your wife how much time she's got to take notice of cars driving up and down the street, noticing whether people are loitering in front of the house or not. You just ask her. She'll tell you. You men all the time talking about the modern conveniences, help out the housework, just zip and the house is clean with the vacuum, swish the dishes around, they're all clean with the new soaps. Yes, ma'am. Well, maybe it's better than our mothers had it, but they still haven't come up with nothing short of a straitjacket that'll keep you from having to run after the kids all day. Yes, you ask your wife, she'll tell you. Yes, ma'am. You ask yours, too. You'll see. I'm not married, Miss Sandals. Hmm. Well, then you wouldn't know. Well, you can talk to his wife. Those fellas last night, they gained clues? We haven't checked on them yet, ma'am. Seems like they should be able to tell something about who did it. All that powder they was putting around, the pictures they was taking, all the excitement. Took me two hours after they left before I could get the kids to sleep. All that trouble, they should have something that's going to get the things back. Sure know one thing. What's that, ma'am? man that stole the watch. Wish they'd taken the book. Beg your pardon? The record book. It was right in the drawer of the dressing table. Where those people at the store are, if you don't find them, they will. I don't believe I understand, Miss Hannah. The people where we bought the wristwatch. They'll find him, sure. They won't let him get away with it. Ma'am? The watch, it isn't paid for. Ten forty-two a.m., we started to canvass the neighborhood. For the next hour, we talked to the people in the houses on both sides of the street. None of them could add anything to the story given us by the latest victim. Twelve noon, Frank and I called the office and told them we'd be out for seven. As we were leaving our car, a tall, elderly man approached us. He identified himself as Ross Dunham. He explained that he lived in the corner house on the same street as Mrs. Santos. Yeah, my wife told me you were by the house this morning. Yes, sir, we were. Got something that maybe you can use. What's that, Mr. Dunham? Well, I noticed it right off. Didn't want to say anything about it to the missus. You know, women get upset. Thought it'd be better not to mention it. Yes, sir, what is it? Night before last, Thursday, I saw the car. What car was that, sir? The one I want to tell you about. I was going downtown to tell you officers about it. Felt kind of like it was my duty. You know, public spirit. Yes, sir. How about the car? Well, it was kind of warm night. The missus and I were sitting out on the porch and the glider, just taking the night air. Then, then I saw the car go by. Didn't think much about it at first. I see. Must have been about 6.30, right after supper. 
We just sitting there, taking the air, having a glass of iced tea. Then I saw the car go by again, slow-like, like he's looking the houses over. Could you describe the car for us, sir? Yeah, got written right down here someplace. <laughs> car went by the house two more times that night. Four times, all told. Four. Uh-huh. I think I got it in my wallet. <laughs> Might have left it in my other pants. I thought you... Oh, no, no, here it is. There it is. Even got the license number. Yes, sir. It going to help? Well, we don't know, sir. We'll check it out. Can I have that paper, please? I'll call it in, Joe. Have him check DMV. Right. Sure hope it gives you guys some help. The way the burglar's been running around here, terrible. The man isn't safe to leave his house. I've been thinking about having those little bell alarms put on the window. Did the officers talk to you last night, sir? You mean when they came out to see Mr. Santos? Yes, sir. Uh, no, they didn't. I saw the police car. I thought about going down to talk to him. But the missus would have wanted to know what was going on. Told her about the car and it had upset her. She's kind of nervous. Breaks out in a rash whenever anything happens like this. I see. Got just about every kind of ointment in the world. Doctor says it's in her mind. Says it's all in her imagination. You believe that? Well, I wouldn't know, sir. I don't put much stock in it. I used to get rashes when I'd eat fresh peaches. Don't anymore, though. See you in a minute, Joe. Yeah, would you excuse me, Mr. Dunham? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Did you get anything? Yeah. Didn't have any trouble making the car. Got a good suspect. Yeah, who? Guy named Oaks. Oaks? Yeah. Works on a burglary. It's a police car. We thanked Mr. Dunham for his cooperation in the attempt to help us. As a public-minded citizen, he'd done what he thought was right. During the time we'd been working on the case, we'd turned up dozens of well-meaning citizens who wanted to cooperate. Each of the tips, no matter how remote, we checked out. This meant using additional man-hours and pulling officers off other assignments to investigate the possible leads. But in every event, we appreciated the tips. Three more days passed. The thief hit once more. In spite of the close surveillance we were keeping on the area, he somehow managed to get into the vicinity, commit the crime, and leave without being observed. The pressure from local citizens' clubs and insurance companies got a little heavier. On Tuesday morning, June 10th, a meeting was held in Chief of Detectives Thad Brown's office. The detail and results of our investigation were gone over again. Additional bulletins were gotten out requesting information on the M.O. The area of the rolling stakeout was increased to 96 square blocks. That's two square miles. A new plan for surveillance was worked out. Under the new conditions, we were able to keep the entire neighborhood under almost constant watch. Additional teams of men were assigned from Metro Division. To date, the thief had stolen jewelry, money, and other personal property amounting to a little over $8,000. The check on the pawn shops was tightened, but none of the merchandise turned up in the normal outlets. Every night between the hours of 5.30 and midnight, the dragnet of the area was put into effect. During the next week, the theft stopped completely. Apparently, we'd stopped the burglar, but we still hadn't caught him. Wednesday, June 17th. I checked in for work. Joe? Yeah? I think we got something. What's that? I was just down the hall with Bates. Yeah. I checked out the FI cards that have been filed in the area we're working. Came up with one possible. Yeah, what do you got on it? guy named Boyd Hall. He was stopped four times in the last week in different locations in the same general area. Told the officers he was on his way home. How do you spell that name? B-O-Y-D, Boyd Hall. Mm -hmm. You got his address? Yeah, better check it out. I ran the name through r and came up with eight. Three of them back in the joint, one dead, other four have to be checked out. Descriptions don't fit too well. Let me see there. Yeah, here you are. You better get right out there, huh? Yeah, let's go. Mm -hmm. Might be something, huh? I don't know. We're due for a break. Fifteen minutes later, we turned off Vermont Avenue onto Venice Boulevard. Four blocks to the left, and we turned onto Dewey Street. Another block and a half, and we pulled up in front of the address. 
Well, this is 1800. Ought to be right. Here. Mm -hmm. Well, we're still batting a thousand. 1804, Dewey. Yeah. Vacant lot. Listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. It's so satisfying to know that my Chesterfield is low in nicotine, highest in quality. Chesterfield, low in nicotine, highest in quality. A fact proved by chemical analyses of the country's six leading cigarette brands. And it's so satisfying to know that a doctor who has been making thorough examinations, especially of the nose, throat, and sinuses, Reports, no adverse effects from smoking Chesterfields. His report is a part of a program supervised by a responsible independent research laboratory and is based on thorough bi-monthly examinations of a group of Chesterfield smokers over a period of a year and a half. That's 18 full months now. Don't you want to smoke a cigarette with a record like this? Regular or king size? Chesterfield is low in nicotine, highest in quality. Best for me, best for you. Wednesday, June 17th, 8.48 a.m. We canvassed the neighborhood around the vacant lot. None of the people had ever heard of Boyd Hall. We asked about anyone answering the description listed on the F.I. cards. The neighbors couldn't help us there either. 11.17 a.m. We returned to the office and we started to check out the remaining four possibles. All of them were able to establish alibis for the time of the burglaries, and they were eliminated as suspects. We got in touch with the officers who'd filed the F.I. cards. They remembered the man. Each of the teams of men who'd stopped him had asked for identification. He'd produced a driver's license, personal cards, and several letters to himself bearing the Dewey Street address. He told the officers that he'd lived in the neighborhood and that he was returning to his home from a grocery store. The officers had checked the bag of groceries he was carrying and found nothing suspicious and let him proceed on his way. We got in touch with Sergeant Zook at the warrant office and asked him to check and see if there were any outstanding traffic warrants on Boyd Hall. He called back to tell us there were none. APBs and local broadcasts were sent out asking for information on anyone answering the description and using the name Boyd Hall. We got in touch with the Department of Motor Vehicles and asked them to give us all the information they could on the suspect carrying California Operator's License Number Z-941-511, issued 12-552. They checked their files and told us that there was no record of a Boyd Hall being issued that particular license number. They also stated that no number had been given out on the Z series. This left little doubt that the license was a forgery and the name was an alias. In the meantime, the rolling stakeout continued. Two days passed while we followed down leads. Saturday, June 20th, Frank and I were in position for the night surveillance. 8.30 p.m. John, hmm? up at the corner getting off the streetcar? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Description fits. Carrying a shopping bag. Now let's take a look. Right. Pull up here is good. Excuse me, fellow. We're going to have to go through this again. Beg your pardon? You're police officers, aren't you? Yes, sir, we are. And you want to see my identification? Yes, sir, that's right. All right. Be glad when you fellas find whatever it is you're looking for. You know, this is the fifth time I've been stopped. Is that right? Yeah. Here, will you hold this shopping bag for me? Sure. Hey, what you got in here? 
loaf of bread, groceries. I got my driver's license in my wallet. Here. Would you take it out of your wallet, please? Mm, sure. There. See? Mm-hmm. Boyd Hall. That's your true name? That's what it says. 1804 Dewey Street, and that's where you live? Yeah. Just came back from the store. Mm-hmm. Well, we're sorry we bothered you, Mr. Hall. Perfectly all right. I know you're only doing what we pay you for. I'll tell you what. To make up for causing any inconvenience, let us drive you home. Could we? Oh, that's not necessary. It's just a couple of blocks. I don't mind a walk. Don't like to put you fellas out. Well, don't worry about it. Get in the back seat, huh? Really, I appreciate the thought, but it's not necessary. Want to get in the back there? All right. Want to take the shopping bag in front, Frank? Yeah. Go ahead, Hall. The way you guys acted, you think it was something wrong. Nothing is, is there? No, I was just saying the way you guys... Never mind. How long you lived in this neighborhood, Hall? A little while. We just bought the house. About how long, would you say? Not long. How long? A couple of months. Mm-hmm. I think it's right at the next block, Frank. Yeah. Say, I sure appreciate this, but you guys don't have to go out of your way. Just drop me off the corner. I can walk. It's just a little ways down. No, it's no trouble at all. Here we are. Well, I sure want to thank you, officers. It's a real pleasure to know that our taxes are paying for the kind of service you've just given me. Well, it's going to get a little better. Hmm? Never mind. Want to get out of the car? We'll walk up with you. Yeah. That's okay. I'll carry the bag for you. Well, it might be better if I took it. No, no trouble. Now, which is your house, Hall? This one right here. Mm-hmm. That's 1802. Then that one's 1806. Let's walk down a little further, shall we? Mm-hmm. It's fine. Now, if we figure correctly, 1804 would be right here, wouldn't it? Don't suppose it'd do any good to say somebody stole the house. No, I don't suppose it would. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, I might as well. All right, let's get back in the car. All right. What do you got in this shopping bag? Sure is heavy. Let's see. A box of breakfast cereal. And a loaf of French bread. You ought to take this bread back, Hall. Look here, somebody cut it right in half. See here, Joe? Yeah. All hollowed out. Punching a jimmy inside. Burglary tools. You want to tell us where you got them? How about it, Hall? All right, let's go, Frank. Yeah. I suppose you guys think you're pretty smart, don't you? No, not particularly. It took us eight weeks to catch you. I should have let it go. Should have gotten out while the getting was good. Yeah, you should have. How are you going to know? I figured ten weeks and then quit. Another two weeks, that's all I needed. Where's the stuff you took? Hotel room. You shoved any of it yet? No, it's all there. Every bit of it but the money. I lived on that. Figured when I got enough, I'd hit for the border. Sell it in Mexico. Let's stop on the way and pick it up, huh? All right. Place over on 6th. I'll show you. This isn't another vacant lot, is it? No, no. This is a McCoy. You know, I had it all figured. All the way down the line. Every angle. Hey, how about it? Answer a question for me. All right. Is there any way to beat it? Any way to come out on top? Well, you know the answer to that one better than we do. Hmm? You tried. What do you think? The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent.
On October 15th, trial was held in Department 96, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, as you heard George tell you earlier, we've received the full year-and-one-half report. It comes from the doctor who's been examining Chesterfield smokers with special attention to the nose, throat, and sinuses. Now, the report shows again no adverse effects from smoking Chesterfields. I think that's very important to you as a smoker, and I hope you'll keep it in mind next time you buy cigarettes and get Chesterfields. Regular or king size, Chesterfields are low in nicotine, highest in quality. Best for you. Lawrence Philip Harris, alias Boyd Hall, was tried and convicted on six counts of burglary in the first degree and received sentence as prescribed by law. Burglary in the first degree is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period of not less than five years. Dragnet wishes to thank the editors of McCall's magazine for their interesting personal story about Jack Webb, Nobody's Man Friday, in the current September issue of McCall's. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Peter Leeds, Joyce McCluskey, Harry Bartell. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely new Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspaper for day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork, king size for longer filtering, and Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. That's Dragnet starring Jack Webb in The Big Lift from September 8, 1953. Stick around. I'll give you our lineup for Episode 10 of the Classic Radio Theater after this break. Next time on Episode 10 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two Western episodes of Have Gun, Will Travel, starring John Daner, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in next time. Thanks for listening.